0: with the resolution of Cabinet, which was uh, two weeks ago, which was that this group be formed, uh, with the the membership, which was approved by Cabinet. So I'm constrained by that. So uh, whilst I note what you say, that is something perhaps for this group to discuss at a later stage and not for me to rule on as Chief Executive. Councillor Dean?
1: I (coughs) don't want a a load of speeches on this, but um, uh, what what I say now is absolutely nothing in in terms of personal comment. I just think it's the, the to carry on the way that the previous incarnation of this working group has been for the last few years, where the leader of the council chairs this and then reports to himself at the cabinet. I think I think it just puts any individual in a difficult position. Um, you know, let, let's say that the the working group disagrees with the chairman of the working group, then the chairman of the working group has to report to himself that his working group disagrees with him, which is something out of Kafka or something like that, I think. So I just think it's, this is absolutely nothing personal, I just think it's a difficult um, um, arrangement to reconcile. I'm not going to propose anybody else, but uh, I think it's worth putting that view on record because it has been said before. Thank
0: you. In the absence of any other nominations, I'll take Councillor Howell and then I'll move to the vote. Thank you. Thank you
2: very much uh, Mr Mitchell. I mean I I recognise and welcome Councillor Dean's comments that this is not a a personal matter because I very much doubt it could possibly be a personal matter. Um, I proposed uh, Councillor Rolfe as I feel that he is eminently qualified to to, to perform the role Um, I didn't expect this frankly to be a contentious issue, I thought that we were starting with a clean sheet Uh, Councillor Rolfe has made it quite plain and clear that he intends to approach this with transparency and openness, Um, he's well qualified, I see no reason why the entire working party can't um, support his nomination and my nomination for him as chairman I'm disappointed that they don't
0: Thank you. Um, <coughs> Councillor Rolfe has been nominated and seconded. Could I have those in favour, please? can see them. And those against?
3: Two against. Any abstentions? No I'm All right. <laughs> One, uh, Councillor Rolfe, you are in the chair.
4: Thank you very much indeed and I'll do my level best to uh, demonstrate the qualities that I've mentioned in the past uh, including total impartiality but just to reassure you uh, I don't even get my own way with my own group all the time so uh, this committee will uh, make its own decisions and then obviously pass those to cabinet and full council so um, I don't think there's any question of uh, any form of predetermination OK, well, first of all, may I? Uh, this, this meeting is, is live, as you're probably aware, um, and uh, delighted to welcome members of the public to the first uh, meeting of the Attlesford Planning Policy Working Group, the successor to the previous Local Plan Working Group. Um, we have a full agenda in front of us, and uh, if the hour went on a long time, this committee will have to decide how it wishes to proceed, but we'll, uh, we'll continue in the meantime. Um, I have uh, the following request to speak uh, so I just wanted to have clarity about that before we proceed Uh, on item 5 John Lodge, Dan Starr and Tony Clark anybody else on it? Chairman, I I think Tony Okay. so just the two for item 5 for item 10 I have Councillor Manell and a late request from Mike Linzel Um, and um, uh, Steve Coltman and Robin Cody, I believe, want to talk to item 7 is that correct? Yeah, so we'll take it sequentially, so item 7, Steve Coltman and Robin Cody, which I will do when we get there, and item 10, Mike Linzel and Councillor Minnell Are there any other requests to speak? I think going forward we'll have to Put a bit of a discipline behind that because it's the same as uh, uh, speaking at other council matters in terms of advance notice. But as this is the first meeting and we're getting underway, we'll try and be as understanding as we can. Okay, if those are the speakers, we'll now proceed um, with item two on the agenda, which is apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Um, Are
5: there any apologies first? None received, Chairman.
4: None received. Declarations of interest? Okay. Uh, We'll now take item three, which is the minutes of the meeting of the last uh, group, which was then the local plan working group. Um, For those who were present, and I appreciate this group has changed, um, do you see those as a true record? Yes, gentlemen. Thank you. We'll now go through page by page in terms of any matters arising. So I take the first page, LP 293031. Which Is the whole of the second page, LP31, if there's any matter there? And the final page, LP32, Retail and Town Centre Monitoring Report. Okay, those, those minutes will be duly signed as a true record, and there are no matters arising. The next item is item five, Local Plan Update and Next Steps, and I call upon Mr. John Lodge to come. ...to the table and um, use the mic so that all those people outside can hear you.
6: That one, yeah. Thank you. Um, Councillors and uh, members of the public, um, today should be a crucial day for the future of Ottlesford. Today should be the day when we put aside the mistakes of the past eight years... Today should be the day when the former clandestine practices of UDC are set to one side. Today should be a day when democracy and consultation are reborn in this council. However, the residents of the district can only really raise one cheer at the moment for the direction in which we now appear to be heading. Um, Sadly, Nobody can take cheer from the verdict to the inspector. Uh, It was, in fact, and indeed, a bleak day for the district. But there was hope that the practices of UDC could at least be brought into the 21st century. Sadly, they didn't quite make it. And this administration still doesn't quite get it. They still don't understand that the residents of Ottlesford want to say in the future of the district and will prefer not to wait until the 7th of May. So what are the residents annoyed about? The clue is in the title of this meeting. It is a working group. It is not a statutory committee of the council. Um, and I am to a degree here repeating some of the things that were said in the preamble but I did write the speech before I came along it's not appropriate for cabinet members to sit and exert political influence they will be participating in preparing a plan which they'll then submit to to themselves for approval this is a very poor model of governance and of democracy this forum should be a part of the semi-judicial process of planning. Furthermore, this council is missing a wonderful opportunity to reach out to the community, compare the model for the neighbourhood plan process. Here, active and qualified members of the community are welcome to actually sit at the table and participate in what's going on. Also, residents wanted the chair of this committee to be independent of party politics, not even uh, not wanting the the leader of one party to be there. They wanted it to be independent. And this would have sent a message then to the residents of Ottersford. The message is, we are listening to you. Now they very much fear that you are continuing to ignore them. Can I finally entreat the committee to look for an objective and independent model of working which we don't yet have do not let political pressure allow history to repeat itself it's not too late to give democracy a go thank you thank you Councillor Lodge uh, Mr Starr uh,
7: thank you good evening um, the formation of a new uh, Local plan working group is a welcome opportunity for the Council to turn over a new leaf and start again, uh, but this time hopefully with everyone in the boat. Uh, It should be a new plan that is based on evidence, supported by communities and fit for Uttlesford. But to do this, the Council, through this working group, really needs to understand the magnitude of the underlying issues with the failed plan. Remember, only 15 local plans have been withdrawn in such a manner. While it might be politically expedient for some to claim, like the egg, it was good in parts, the inspector actually found little to commend the plan in his written record. The list of headline issues have been well highlighted, the failure of the council and institute to cooperate, inadequate support for its housing numbers, poor suitability of Elstam as a location, and a failure to provide much-leaded supporting evidence. To fix it, the council may be tempted to call a few meetings with other authorities, bump up the annual housing targets, and swap out Elstam for another location. If that is what is proposed, then the council will have failed to understand what it got wrong, and the plan will be rejected again. The inspector called for root and branch modifications. Uh, He had issues with nearly everything put in front of him. There was no good in this curate's a A good case in point is Saffron-Walden. Whilst, again, uh, um, it may be politically expedient for some to claim, as they have, that the inspector found no issue with the plan uh, for Saffron-Walden. That's far from what he wrote. Whilst he said that development of the east of Saffron Walden was, in strategic terms, a sound allocation, what he actually then said was that the policy to do so was itself ineffective and not sound. He argued that a sound delivery approach had not been brought forward and that major modifications to the plan would be required to make it sound. He went on to list a number of significant issues for Saffron Walden. The most damning were questions about the policy's lack of precise aims and effectiveness. He is clear that he expects the council through this group to revise the plan even down to the policies for individual communities. And he specifically called out Elsinore, Saffron Walden, Dunmo and Stansted as needing to be addressed. Residents in town and parish councils expect this group to address these things. A practical first step for this group would be a line-by-line review of his report against the rejected plan, drawing out and listing exactly where he highlighted concerns that needed to be addressed. That should form the blueprint of a new plan, and in that way, in a year's time, you'll be able to evidence how the Council has learned and acted from each and every one of his findings. Not to do so would once again be failing to consider the evidence put before the Council. Thank you.
4: Thank you very much indeed, uh, Mr Starr. Um, I, I No intention that this working group becomes a political ping-pong, so clearly there are comments that were made that we wouldn't necessarily agree with, but I don't intend to respond to those. I think in a moment I will be asking Mr Taylor to take us through um, the next steps as far as the local plan is concerned, and I hope that some of your concerns in terms of the way it's going to be reviewed will therefore be addressed. Um, But i ask... uh, uh, colleagues, not to respond politically, but uh, it, 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 would anybody else like to comment at this stage from the committee?
1: I think the only comment I'd make, Chairman, at this stage is just to repeat in fewer words what I said at the last cabinet meeting about public participation. There have been some suggestions from the members of the public that the, uh, that, that they sh- that the public should have a, a more involved role in it. I'd I'd like to think that the working group will keep this under review. I recognise that there's a reluctance to... Well, I I recognise first of all that a step has been made forward in that we have members of the public here and and, and that is a a big change from the last eight years, so that's good. Um, Whether it will be adequate just to invite as we've had two speakers already to have their two minutes, three minutes at the beginning And for that to be the end of it, I I have my reservations. I'm not suggesting that we throw out the rules as set out on the paper tonight, because I think that would be too radical. Um, But I I do think that there's a strong case for either halfway through a discussion on our item, or certainly at the end, to allow people to come back on it. And I'd just like to ask you to bear that in mind as, as time goes on. Thank you. I will bear that in
4: mind, and I'll ask everybody to bear in mind the three key principles that we're working to, which is transparency, objectivity, and consultation. So I hope that some of the concerns expressed by the first two speakers will be picked up by that. But if there are no other comments, I'll ask Mr Taylor now to take us through um, the paper of item
8: five. Yes, thank you, Chairman. This is on page nine of the papers um, to the working group. Um, This is just an update report in terms of uh, the local plan and the next steps. Um, I don't think I need to repeat, Um, everyone's aware um, that the local plan examination was halted by the inspector and his two reports are appended to this document um, for your reference, for completeness. Um, The next steps um, in terms of the local plan process are really where um, this report focuses. (coughs) So if I turn over to page ten, the um, full council received a report at its meeting in December and uh, passed a, uh, a motion in, uh, in terms of uh, these these five elements and that's what um, structures our work going forward. The next key piece of work that we have to do is the Strategic Housing Market Assessment, or SHMAR, and this was commenced um, mid-last year with our colleagues in Epping Forest, Harlow and East Hearts councils. That's being led by um, Epping Forest, but officers are um, as part of that group. The first phase of the work is due to report, it says February-March in these papers, but it is March now, um, to... The next, um, not the next because there's one tomorrow, but the duty to cooperate meetings, the board meetings, um, between all those authorities, the next meeting is, is March, and it's due to report there, after which it will come back to a meeting um, here, hopefully uh, last week of March or thereabouts. Could I
4: ask for the benefit of everybody here and listening
8: from outside just to tell us a
4: little bit more about the Schmar process?
8: Okay. Um, the Schmar process is something um, set down um, in... Uh, national policy and guidance in terms of what we have to do and the methodology is set down there. It effectively looks at demographic figures, it looks at the trends of migration, it looks at um, house prices, the affordable housing requirements, a whole range of different things. And the consultants then, um, or oh, sorry, the report, but in this case produced by consultants, the report then produces um, a housing market area. So this is looking at where... People live and work in, in a similar area. so in, in our case, historically we've had a housing market area that, that focuses on the South Far district into Harlow, East Hearts and an Epping Forest in that, that core area there, where I think it's about 60 or 70 percent of the people both live and work within that area. So you get a, a homogeneous area which you, you then look at in terms of, of uh, forming the center of the, of the housing market area. And the objective of the report is to come up with um, an objective number based on all that that evidence and that work. And that's what the consultant's doing for us at the moment. It's been slightly delayed because they're doing an additional piece of work in relation to um, economic data, because um, unhelpfully at one level the four authorities were using slightly different assumptions in terms of their economic-based data. So they've they've drawn that together, so there's one... Line in terms of moving forward with the economic assumptions and forecasts. Um, I put it down here as phase... Sorry, and what that does is it produces a report with a total number of housing required for the Schmarr area and then broken down into the four authorities. The first phase of that work is due to report, as I said, in March. We are aware that the government are about to produce... should have produced in November, but about to publish in February now... Um, updated household figures based on the 2011 census. Um, So to make sure our housing numbers are the most up-to-date, we're going to do a a quick review, which in theory should be a very quick review, mid-year once that has been published and once our other consultants, the SXY consultants, Age Analytics, have done their piece of work um, in terms of assessment. And then we can have um, the most up-to-date set of figures to work from. But as it's made clear in paragraph 10, 10 and 11, that's not the end of the matter. Um, To get our our final figure, we have to ensure that all the housing required for the Schmarr area is being delivered by those four authorities. Um, Under the term duty to cooperate, um, we we are required um, to ensure that that's being delivered. So, for argument's sake, if we went forward with just our housing number and the other three authorities weren't delivering theirs, when we got to examination there'd be a concern that the the Schmarr area wasn't delivering and again that there would be problems. So we need to ensure through the duty to cooperate discussions, through the uh, member cooperation board, that all councils are either delivering their housing numbers or their housing numbers are being delivered in partnership with with other local authorities. So that's um, a discussion that will happen over the, the middle part of this year to ensure to give us a final figure at the end of that process. And then the process moves on. I um, heard some public speakers in terms of the strategy. Once we know the final number um, of housings that we are required to deliver, we then have to um, go back and review our strategy. So we have a uh, strategy from the, the emerging local plan. Um, so we, we need to review, review that, start again. and and look at the housing numbers that we have and decide on the strategy going forward. And obviously that will be reports from the officers to this group and then that will be subject to a public consultation at the same time as saying we know we need X additional houses, we need to carry out a call for sites to deliver that. And that's set out in in paragraph 12. And the thing in this bit is that we'll need to carefully consider the assessment criteria that we want to um, attach to such a call for sites to demonstrate that the sites are available and deliverable and the level of supporting information that we wish to receive. Once the assessment of those sites has been concluded and we put forward, um, or the Council puts forward its recommended options then obviously be further public consultation at that stage. So, at the bottom of page 11, I've set out the projected timeline. This is much more in detail in, in the local development scheme that we come on to in a, in a future item, but this sort of sets out the rough timescale in, um, in terms of that work. And you'll appreciate that the, um, the July to the second line there, the July to December, due to cooperate discussions, well, that could take one meeting, and everyone is all happy and it's all decided or, or it might take um, considerably longer and that will dictate the the process at, at that period so um, that's why it's a six months and it's also it could expand or contract depending on whatever happens at that first meeting effectively. Um, I, I skipped over paragraph 15 um, but what we, we need to do and is a, is a piece of work that's ongoing and we hope to bring to the the next meeting of this working group in February, is reviewing the existing evidence base. Um, I'm sure members are aware that the evidence base is something that keeps evolving over time and you're continually having updates um, on on those studies to take account of changing government guidance or, or changing population trends or changing strategies. So what we have to do is look at the evidence base and consider what is necessary to update now, some of that decision process we won't know until the strategy has been decided. We won't know which bits we might need to change depending on that strategy. Um, but we, uh, we're quite aware that, that um, some pieces of work are getting older now and therefore we need a refresh, even if that's I don't know, just, just a page re, you know, a refresh in terms of... Uh, from, you know, the green belt, the decision to review the green belt. We need to go through that process again just to, to consider do we want to review our green belt boundaries or not um, and we, we need to be re- redoing that. So there's a, all, a number of studies we'll need to be doing, some in-house and some with consultants and what we hope to do is, is look at a bit more detail about that for a paper for the next meeting um, and the that sort of work in terms of the, the sort of expectation of studies that we will need to update. But as I said, there will be a, a caveat on that until we have had final outcomes of <coughs> the strategy so that we know the sort of work that we will need to commission or, or carry out internally. So, Chairman, I think that's um, taken us through the, uh, the main aspects of the report. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Taylor. Um, colleagues, Councillor Barker. Thank Council
9: you, Chairman. Um, thank you, Mr Taylor. I just wanted to point out that this isn't the first time. This has all happened before. Um, When regional spatial strategy was abolished and we said we could set our own targets, this council looked at the sort of target level it wanted to set. That was then reviewed. It was reviewed again. And actually, the inspector in his report says that our figure of 523 wasn't very far below what he saw as an objectively assessed need of 529 he chose to say that uh, he felt we should have an increase of an extra 10% for market forces. We could go through this whole procedure, we can go to consultation, we can submit our plan in two years' time, and we could have a different inspector telling us that he's not happy with that number. And we have to bear in mind that we have to do this as well as we possibly can, but it may not be the right way forward in the view of whichever inspector looks at this in two years' time.
4: Councillor Eaton, and then Councillor Parry, Councillor,
3: well, all three of you. Yep. Um, uh, thank you, Chairman. Um, I wonder if, if Mr Taylor might remind us, uh, given that the nearest uh, district council to us is in fact South Cam's from where we sit, rather than Epping Forest, East Hearts uh, and, and Hollow, I want to remind us why we are not including South Cam's uh, as part of our uh, strategic housing market assessment. Uh, I'm sure those who live in the north of the district would be curious about that. Um, thank you, Chairman. Um,
8: it might technically be the nearest council. Well, I'm not sure it's actually the nearest council from here because it's a long way. South cams is a long way around um, the side of Cambridge. But uh, in, in terms of, um, well, obviously, we're looking at the district and the, tra- the issue, as I was trying to explain earlier, is that the housing market area is derived from an area of people living and working in the same area. So what we have in the centre of that area is Harlow and and Bishop Stortford. And actually we have a number of residents who commute to and fro between those areas. I think we have a a large out-commuting population from Muttlesford, but effectively we have a similar number coming into the district each day, um, whether that's the Stansford Airport or or other other places. And where people live is actually within Bishop Stortford, Harlow and, and into into. Uh, that's, that sort of sphere. So we have a central area within those four authorities which is not replicated within, um, to the north of the district in, in terms of South Cam's. Our housing market area historically, um, and the indications are, it, while it will change, is going to be the same going forward, is that we have a core housing market area fo- uh, focused on the south and middle of our district and we, we are on the outskirts of the, the, the Cambridge housing market area. Um, we used to have um, a, ca- a housing market area coming to the, the Dumbo Edge, which was from Champsford and Braintree direction. But the indications are that actually that's now changed, and it forms part of the, um, the Harlow Epping Forest um, housing market area. So yes, so that is something we, we oh, the consultants, are looking at. But you're looking at the closest fit of people working and living in the core area to get that uh, to get that housing market area. We obviously. Um, do work with our colleagues in, in South Cams and, and Cambridge City, and uh, members may well know that those two councils are working jointly to produce a joint local plan and are at, they've had a number of sessions of examination, I'm not sure whether they're sitting at the moment, a number of sessions of their examination, so they are working together on a 20 on a year plan. Um, they have to work together because Cambridge City cannot deliver its own housing need um, on its own, so and South Cams also, so you've got uh, the early part of, the, of the, the plan period is with Cambridge City delivering it, and it moves out into South Cams after that. So we have been working with them, and we will continue to work with them, but in terms of this, the focus that the consultants have come to, which actually mirrors the, the previous work that's been done, is looking at a housing market area focused on the south and middle of our district and linking into half of East Hearts, Epping Forest and Harlow. Does that answer your question, Councillor
3: Yes, thank you, Priscilla.
8: Councillor
4: Parry.
9: Um, thank you. I'd like some clarification on paragraph 12. Um, you state that there'll be a call for sites for additional housing. Should not the, uh, the, the, the plan's waters have been muddied by the fact that a lot of planning permissions have already been granted? But all the ones that don't have planning permission, shouldn't they also now be thrown back in the pot? Not just um, calling for sites for the additional numbers
10: that, you're gonna, that we're going to come up with?
8: Yes, perhaps it's, it's, it's the phrasing. What I, what I was describing yeah. earlier in terms of we need to look at the strategy again. When we have the final number, we have to look at the strategy. For argument's sake, that might, that might throw everything up and say we're going to do this instead, or it might say, well, actually it's okay, we need to do, change it a bit here and there. I don't know. Until we have those numbers and we, until we come back with a report here for you to consider and talk about, we don't know the outcome of that. I think what I was meaning in terms of the additional housing is the additional numbers, sort of over and above. So... Um, for argument's sake, there's the 2,100 in Elsenham that has some concerns about it from the inspector. We know this process will take two years. If the figure is 580, that's 1,160. You know, so you've, you've got a 3,000-something other already that you need to be finding sites for. Um, so we need to do a general call for sites to, for a total number of housing. Total number of houses. What that might do is look at moving sites that, you say, haven't got consent, or it might... Um, well, the, the consultation will just be general, but the strategy might look at keeping existing sites that have been proposed or it might change them. At this stage, I don't know, and, and I can't advise you, really.
4: Are you comfortable with that response, Councillor Parry? Councillor Lachlan.
11: Thank you. Uh, Mr Taylor, you mentioned there may be a review of the Greenbelt Um, this council with some exceptions which has caused a bit of a furor amongst residents and certainly the planning committee um, when people have tried to build on that so obviously we have a lot of greenbelt in this district and obviously people want to protect that greenbelt as the council in general has done in the past if you do do a revision will you be going out to public consultation because they it will be the residents that will be affected most by that if indeed that's what you decide to do
8: Um, just the first point it won't be what I decide to do it'll be what I recommend but anyway um, it'll be be what um, in terms of agreement what I meant what I tried to say if I didn't and apologies is that we need to carry out a review of our decision as to whether or not we want to review the Greenbelt. So previously we decided, there was a paper that said, considered everything and said actually we don't think we need to review our Greenbelt. And we'll need to go through that process again saying, do we need to review our Greenbelt? So if we decide that we don't, then no, we won't be going out on that particular part of the consultation. It'll be picked up in later stages, you know, in terms of sites in or out of the Greenbelt. If we decide that we do want to review our Greenbelt, then yes, that'll be subject to a public consultation, there will be a whole um, a range of different issues to take into account. Our colleague councils in Epping Forest, Harlow and East Tarts are all doing detailed greenbelt reviews, so whatever happens we need to be looking at, at those um, to assess what they've done, um, because we know, for example, it's, it's down here, Epping Forest, 92% greenbelt coverage, far higher than ours, we've got a very small amount. Um, so, we need to be sure that they're taking a, a correct view of their greenbelt and what should or shouldn't be released, because obviously that will have an impact on the housing that they can um, accommodate themselves. So, um, we'll certainly be looking at Greenbelt even if it's not ours.
1: Councillor Dean. Thank you. I'd like to just pick up, a, start off by picking up um, a procedural point or uh, the way in which the paper is um, presented. And Mr Taylor knows what I'm talking about because we've been in conversation for the past day or two. Um, on page 9, paragraph 4, um, refers to financial implications and it says that there aren't any and that expenditure can be met from existing budgets and the planning reserve. Now, my view is that, uh, well, first of all, we, we have... Found out since Christmas that the amount of expenditure on the local plan since some time, like eight years ago, was is, has been something in excess of two million pounds. So clearly, going forward for the next two years, isn't going to be isn't going to come free. Um, and and I think it's appropriate that before the but the council's budget is set for the coming year, which therefore means sometime next month but there there actually is a a statement amongst the papers here as to what this process between now and probably sometime in, or hopefully no later than sometime in 2007, is is likely to cost. And I know you you can't say precisely because uh, circumstances will change and and maybe at this time it's not clear um, what studies are needed and i 'm talking therefore about external expenditure there, but we know to a large degree about our internal costs, which even though they might be in the base budget should should be declared I think for a transparency point of view, so that everybody knows what it, what 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 it is going to cost us going forward so i 'm not pressing for information tonight, but I am asking that well, for instance, if we're meeting in February, that there's a, an indication by the next time we meet as to what it's likely to cost. Um, I don't think that Mr. Taylor and I are in disagreement there now, so I don't think I, I, I need to ask for a, a response. Um, I'd just like to pick up something that um, Councillor Perry—I Perry, get it right—Perry <laughs> raised um, about existing approvals, Um, I mean one of the things I remember from the examination in public is that the inspector was somewhat frustrated that he'd been presented with a draft plan or a deposit plan or whatever it was called uh, that that was half a done deal Uh, and and I think he was a bit, uh, I don't know about annoyed, but uh, he certainly didn't seem to... um, Take kindly to the fact that uh, there were so many approvals already of of the sites already done. So I'm assu- I've been assuming that uh, that the ne- this next stage is going to put all those in the bank, if you will, and uh, we're not going to um, uh, waste everybody's time talking about sites that have already been approved. Obviously, they need to be taken into account in terms of what might be what's going to be added, but um, um, you, you can't undo planning permissions, can you? Perhaps I'd just like to clarify that one because I was a little bit confused earlier.
4: I'll ask Mr Taylor to respond, but I think it's a very good starting point, Councillor Dean, to understand what the law allows us to do and what it doesn't allow us to do. And I think probably as we go through all of this, just to stipulate things like the Schmar is a legal process, uh, etc., I think it's just worth emphasising uh, that so that uh, you know, it's very clear, very transparent what this group, whichever political persuasion it happens to be, has to do. Uh, as opposed to what it wants to do. But I'll ask uh, Councillor Taylor to respond. Uh, sorry, Mr. Taylor to. to, to, to Perry's, Perry's councillors, yeah. Mr. Taylor to respond to that. Um,
8: thank you. Yeah, I mean. Sorry, mine's gone blank. Um it's being told I was a councillor, that's what did it. Um, and yes. Uh, It goes back really to the the comment that Councillor Parry um, asked in terms of the strategy and and looking at sites that didn't have consent. Um, It's exactly the same with sites that did have consent. Obviously they are are generally extant planning permissions. I know you're quite right, you can't take them away generally in relation to that. Um, But what we do need to do is as part of reviewing the strategy is look at what has been approved because that has an impact on what you can and can't do in terms of moving forward, um, just in terms of, um, I don't know, looking at sites where it's bringing forward land for primary schools, whatever, and, and you know what that does in terms of the requirement for, for sites surrounding those. So we, we know that there are some constraints on what we can do moving forward in terms of our strategy. We're very well aware of those, um, and that's what we need to take into account and look going forward. There are other sites that don't have permission, that might have benefits, that we want to keep Obviously, all those things need to be reviewed. But, yes, there are some constraints that we have within that system. Um, I'd also say the planning system is not going to stand still for the next two years. You know, there are appeals outstanding, there are live planning applications, and all those will have an impact on us as we go through that process.
4: Yeah, of course.
1: I'd like to pick up something which I think is um, a bit more... um, Substantial in terms of the way we go about it. Um, my my reading of the processes set out here is that it's going to be a lot of work going on by others elsewhere uh, to work out the market assessment and uh, and eventually come up with some evidence as to what the, the, the new the target, which I presume is going to be a new target. And I'd be surprised if it's exactly the number that they inspect to. <laughs> came out <Sure>. when he <laughs> seemed to wave a finger in the air um but anyway whatever it is but i would have thought that in the interim what what we should be doing as a, as a working group is is actually coming up with some form of um broad strategy um as as to without knowing what the final numbers are, as to what the pros and cons are of different approaches. I mean, one thing that's obviously been raised by the inspector was whether a new settlement is or is not something that needs to be part of the the final one. But but the other side to it is is about where are the better locations for development and where are the less good locations. Um, You know, we've, we've heard... Well, the, the the previous plan fell on large, significantly on on Elstam. Um but but, but what we, what I don't think has happened, at least not to my perception, and I, I I wasn't involved in the previous working group, but I and and I know there were various scenarios set in terms of you know is it dispersed, is it not, is it mostly in the the main towns, is it not. But what I, what I don't ever remember happening is uh, something which said, well, you've got the M11 corridor uh, as, a, as a corridor of movement, you've got the A120, you've got the sort of hinterland, you've got different settlements which you have got weaknesses and strengths, and, and, and an exercise which actually says that these are the areas to... Avoid with significant numbers, but these are the areas for smaller numbers. These, if, you go, if you're going for big numbers, then these are the, the, the choices. Such that when we get to when we get to July, those of us who are still here, um, we, we are, we're not just going out and saying, "Well, we now know what the number is. Right, let's have a load of bids from anybody who's got a, a spare field." As, and, and, uh, and anything goes, but we provide but provided some kind of guidance to where we think the better places are, because if we don't do that, and I know, I see Councillor Parker shaking her head, and I know this type of thing has been avoided in the past, but I, I suggest that one of the reasons that we've got in this position that we're in after eight years is that we didn't do that, um, I, I don't know whether blue sky thinking is the right word, but we didn't do that scenario work such that at least, and, and, you know, involve in the public as well, so that they know what we're up to, rather than just coming out with, um, we've got a new number, now who, who'd like to build on his, his land or her land, and then we'll, we'll pick from that list. I, I, I think that we, we should and not waste, not not largely do very little between now and the May elections but actually start that discussion. So it's not quite a, a blank sheet because, as we already know, we've got planning permissions already given and they're, therefore, almost set in concrete. But but starting from that, to to, to go beyond what was done before in terms of the, um, the pros and cons of different approaches, because otherwise, you know, I, what I wouldn't want us to do is end up with another... It was a nice feel at Elsinore, and then we find umpteen years later that it wasn't the, the right thing to do, and we shouldn't have encouraged somebody to come along for, no. with, with their idea. That's where I'm coming from.
4: Okay, I think we understand the point. I will ask uh, Mr. Taylor to mm-hmm. respond technically, but uh, um, we must not lose sight of that one of the key words, which is objectivity. Um, And, uh, as I said earlier, we're following a process, so we're doing the Shema process, then, of course, we we are obliged to go through a Shla. What your point is, is is, is in terms of shaping, Um, but I think it's very important, and, 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 and Mr... Taylor has emphasised this, that we are very clear about the numbers. Uh, We aren't uh, talking about a long time in terms of the numbers, uh, and that when we have the numbers, there will be a very critical discussion. Um, And I'm not going to predict, because you can't predict and also be objective. But um, the inspector has given us a clue, so I can quote what he's said in his report. He's he's talked about new settlement or possibly settlements. Uh, So he's given us a clue. He referred to um, uh, Dunmo and Saffron Walden, if they take what they're taking in the plan, and I'm not trying to, you you know, we can come back to uh, what's... what's, uh, in it for those two towns, Uh, but he's saying that they have probably taken enough in this round. I'm only quoting him, I'm not uh, inventing anything else. So I think we have a number of clues, but um, I think it's terribly important that when we get to the point of understanding what the numbers are, and therefore what the task is, that we decide what the strategy is. And I absolutely agree with you, Councillor Dean, that must be done in an objective way. Um, Now, I'll ask uh, Mr Taylor in terms of what other work we can do in terms of shaping, but I think there's a a dichotomy between shaping uh, because what we don't want to do is to say, and we're going to go for a settlement in X. We want to have an objective process that says the number is Why, and to fulfill that number, we will need to do the following, and therefore, we need to understand where the possible sites are. We call for those sites, and then against an agreed set of objective criteria we assess one site against another and how much is going into a new settlement and how much into existing. All of those are very important discussions and all must be had after consultation and after due diligence. So I don't know if you want to add to that, Mr Taylor. I understand the point that you're making, which is that you can do a little bit of shaping in the meantime, but I don't want to confuse shaping with objectivity. Mr Taylor.
8: Um, a couple of points. One, um, the first one is um, there is a lot of work going on I wouldn't want you to uh, have the erroneous impression that staff aren't doing anything for the next few months because that's, that's not the correct situation. Um, so there is a, a large amount of work going on, um, you know, assessing the evidence bases, um, starting to look at moving... You Will know, we'll starts to look at moving those things forward. So it's not that there is any wasted time in that process. I, I understand what you're saying in terms of that blue-sky thinking or if, if you... If you st- Yeah, a clean sheet of paper what would you do at one level it is difficult to do that until you have the total number of housing you're talking about and whether you're talking about some small extensions here or a very large new settlement it's it's difficult in terms of a a quantum of development um at one level it's a decision for the working group in terms of um whether you wish to deliver officer time one way or, or, or a different way to do what you're talking about, it will obviously involve quite a lot of um, preparatory work. The importance of the formal call for sites, though, is that one of the things we have to do is demonstrate that sites are available and deliverable. And By going out and uh, requesting developers or landowners put sites forward with a host of supporting evidence is the clear way of going through and and giving us the confidence as the council that sites are available and deliverable um, as opposed to A hunting process the other way round. I mean, that's that's the that's the process that goes through in terms of that strategic housing land availability assessment and the call for sites. Looking at that in terms of the evidence that we have. Thank
3: you. Does anybody else want
4: to? Yes, Councillor Oliver, and then Councillor Howell.
3: Chairman, the thing that saddens me is that I accept that we have to take the accept the law, deal with the SHMA. But reading paragraph 10, it would appear to me that the, the growth and the housing we're going to have to have here in, in Uttlesford is really because we are going to take, have to take the housing from Epping Forest and Harlow. These are not really the housing we're going to have to ha- take in the next X years. It's not from our residents or even people coming into Uttlesford or going out from Uttlesford, but it is from the people to take the quota from Epping Forest who is 92% green and Harlow and I think that is the great sadness of this this is not, we are not fulfilling our own needs, we are filling other people's needs I'm sad about that I take the law, the law is the law I accept
4: Yeah um, we, we, we don't know that uh, I think uh, you're right to, to refer to paragraph 10 and it's certainly a duty to cooperate that we must fulfil and there are we understand the position that Harlow and Epping are in, but I don't think we should at this stage make any assumptions Um, and clearly um, we won't be giving that in that easily Um, but you you re-emphasise a key point of course that we are going to have to build houses Uh, and that again, this working group mustn't, or even the whole community mustn't fall shy of because uh, that is a statutory obligation and the key question is where, having ascertained Um, the the numbers but hopefully uh, Councillor Oliver uh, it won't be uh, as bad as that but time will tell um, and we'll obviously keep this working group very closely updated on the negotiation around the duty to cooperate. It wasn't a significant issue the last time but it may be a bigger issue this time. Councillor Howell
2: Um, Thank you Chairman Um, I think Councillor Lodge was quite right in his opening comments it's uh, a very bleak day for the district and I'm read the inspector's report with care. We debated this in full council when we only had the preliminary notes and we now have the the full detail the full report and the two principal reasons that he gave for for rejecting um, his inspection which was that we were not planning for enough housing and that we were clearly not demonstrating in his mind effectively on the duty to cooperate, it is grim news indeed. I mean, it's truly depressing for those of us who love this district and its rural character. And I'm always interested, we spend an awful lot of time both at Council and in this meeting so far, talking about the process, because I suspect the scale of the challenge and the difficulty we face is just so significant. Um, the fact that the inspector said that we had to increase from 529 to 580 houses, the possibility that there will be yet further changes in government guidance and policy, further population changes, uh, the evidence of what we're going to have to find from the duty to cooperate, we may well find that that number is changing as as we do this process. And I find the scale of the challenge... um, enormous A district with 30,000 houses, we look to be having to find an increase of nearly a third in our housing stock over the lifetime of the plan, effectively. Um, and I hear Councillor Barker's words of caution that there's every possibility at the end of that you still don't hit the bullseye, the target. It's a truly, truly... Depressing scenario. Uh, And what what I really want to have is some confidence from officers that we can have confidence in the results that are coming through. And let's pick up, first of all, the duty to cooperate, because I heard the comments you gave about to Councillor Eden about the selection of Harlow, Epping Forest and East Hearts I want to know if this process is going to work, that we are absolutely right that the consultant, when they choose those three councils, are choosing the right councils because there are another four councils that we neighbour and we don't appear to be looking at them. Now, I hear that Dunmo, apparently, according to the consultant, doesn't draw pop the population in from Chelmsford. I, I'm, I'm told that people, according to the consultant, don't, don't live in saffron Walden and commute to Cambridge but I know vast numbers of people who do and, and so I, I really do want to be confident that, this, that we're getting this right we are going through this process and at the end of it when we make our decisions we're going to get it right next time because that's really what this has got to be all about.
4: Okay, I'm going to ask Councillor Barker just to comment on duty to cooperate then uh, the final word from Mr Taylor and then we'll move on to the next item because so I think we've given this item A good hearing.
9: Um, Yes, I mean, Mr Taylor made reference to a duty to cooperate meeting in March. We actually have one tomorrow night at Harlow. And just to assure people, if you look at the inspector's letter um, on page 26 of your papers, it says, My overall judgment is that the council did fulfil its obligation under Section 33A, albeit somewhat narrowly. In acknowledging that... Um, and in acknowledging that this was becoming more part of um, local examinations, which is why we set up this member board last year. Previously, it had been an officer board, but you know, this has now been strengthened. Um, we, the basic core of this group is our Schmarr group, but we also have representatives from Brentwood, we have representatives from Redbridge. Chomsford wants to have sort of observer status, we have other London boroughs, we have Broxbourne all of whom are invited along. We have a letter from the Mayor of London saying he wants to be kept up to speed on our discussions because, of course, there are issues. If you've read the further alterations to the London plan in here, you will see there are issues there regarding the possibility of London having to look outside its border. So it's it's not a close group. And don't forget as well, although not within this Schmar area, we do have an officer-level duty-to-cooperate discussions with North Hearts, with Cambridgeshire, with Braintree, with Chelmsford, because they are all on our boundaries. So, you know, it's been beefed up, but the inspector did not actually say we failed in our duty to cooperate.
4: I'm going to take Councillor Lochlan and then uh, Councillor uh, Mr Taylor can uh, summarise all the points. Thank you.
11: You're just quickie, because I'm going to go back to the Greenbelt, because I just think it's just so important for this district. Uh, and paragraph 10, um, and it says about the um, national policy constraints on Epping Forest, due to its 92% Greenbelt coverage, sorry? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, due to its 92% greenbelt coverage, well, I wouldn't like to see us sacrifice our greenbelt so, uh, so that Epping Forest can keep there. So I'm actually yeah. very, very conscious of that, and uh, I hope that will be taken into account because I don't think the residents of Utleston would forgive any of us if we were in this district by getting rid of the greenbelt, uh, you know, for the sake of Epping.
8: Thank you. Mr. Taylor. Can I, well, I'll respond to the last one first I think it's easier um, our, we have about 8% of our district is greenbelt so a very small percentage and no it would be illogical in my view to not put housing in Epping's greenbelt and put it in our greenbelt um, that, that doesn't seem very logical but uh, we have, a, we have about 8% of our district is greenbelt so the vast majority isn't, it's complete mm. reverse of the Epping situation going back to Councillor Howell's point uh, um, don't get me wrong, the Schmar work is not all the work in terms of duty to cooperate. The Schmar work is, is, one, is one aspect of looking at the housing numbers and then ensuring we cooperate with those groups. The report doesn't say there's no one living in Saffron Morden going to Cambridge or Dunbar and going to Braintree or Chelmsford. It's the fact that you, the core area you have about over 60% of the people live and work within that area or commute within that area. And that's where you have the convergence of, of, of population population. So that's, that's what it's looking at. It's not saying there aren't others looking the other way. I mean, East, East Hearts, unfortunately, look all sorts of different ways. They've got Wayne Hatfield, Stevenage. They've got, you know, they have got go all sorts of different directions. So it's never a, a simple picture. It's trying to work out the best fit. But in terms of um, other dues to cooperate... Um, Yes, it is a serious piece of work. The issues are probably more difficult now moving forward than they were leading up to the submission of the last plan Um, in terms of housing numbers, in terms of a whole range of different issues. Uh, Mr Harbour and I visited Braintree last week in terms of discussions there, they've carried out issues and called for sites consultation and they're just out to consultation at the moment in terms of issues and options. So they're going through the whole, exactly the same sort of process as, as we are as well. Um, we're about to arrange a meeting with our South Cam- Cambrid- Cambridgeshire colleagues as well. So those, those meetings continue and will be fed back, um, you know, there's a paper on, on here, you know, that they'll be fed back to this working group and if there are key issues we need to pick up then we'll obviously need to address them. But that work is ongoing.
4: Right, thank you. Uh, We'll move on to item six, but uh, this room may be interested to to note uh, that I have written to the Prime Minister and the Department of Communities and Local Government on this whole question of numbers, because it is becoming a moving target, um, and uh, as a number of speakers have indicated, we've got to get it right the next time, Um, and this idea that it was supposed to be locally driven um, is a bit of a myth and uh, so we don't, it, it, it costs time and money to hit a moving target and uh, we don't really need, to, it, it's not just us obviously Mr. Um, uh, uh, Councillor Lodge quotes a figure but in actual fact only 15% of councils have got a local plan in place and part of the problem is trying to second-guess the numbers. So it is an issue and as I say we're taking it up at, uh, at the highest possible level. Okay, moving on now to item 6 which is a verbal update
8: Thank you, Chairman. It's a verbal update. Um, just to confirm that we have formally withdrawn the local plan from the examination process that happened last week. Anybody want to query a question or anything? Councillor
4: Lachlan, you've got your uh, light. Oh, sorry. In which case, we will move on to item 7, uh, the local uh, development scheme. And to remind you, there are two speakers for that. I'll ask Mr. Coltman to speak first.
12: Thank you. Um, I'm Steve Coltman. I'm the clerk to Arkston Parish Council. The new LDS that you're being asked to uh, recommend for approval this evening intends to incorporate the Gypsy and Traveller Plan back into the new local plan. The key stages of this new plan include a call for sites in July-December 2015, followed in January-April to April 2016 by an assessment of sites and public consultation to include Gypsy and Traveller site allocations. The calendar at Appendix 3 refers to consultation on issues and options to include Gypsy and Traveller site allocations during March-April 2016. Nowhere in this document is there any intention to consider the results of the current consultation on Gypsy and Traveller issues and options, which is still one week to run, before yet another call for sites. This is totally unacceptable to the hundreds of residents that have taken the time to respond as requested And the sites put forward in this current consultation need to be determined for their suitability now to avoid these unsuitable sites being carried into the next round of the consultation next year. Yet again, a working group on the local plan is being asked to follow a course of action determined by the planning department without due consideration of the impact of their actions. Following the rejection of the local plan, the planning department was asked to consider withdrawing the consultation of the Gypsy Traveller Plan until the situation became clearer. They insisted on going forward with the consultation and residents have responded in good faith expecting a decision on site suitability within the next few months according to the previous timescale. Arxham Parish Council respectfully requests that the UPPWG do not recommend this new LDS for approval unless a new key stage is introduced to determine the suitability or otherwise of all of the existing sites from the responses of the current consultation. This must take place before the new call for sites in July 2015, and if this cannot be agreed, the Parish Council is asking you to remove the Gypsy Traveller Plan from the local plan and continue along the original timescale. Uh, we feel it's important to note that if you continue with the gypsy plan in the local plan, the continuation of these uh, unsuitable sites may well lead to the gypsy plan part of the local plan being found um, unsound by the inspector and your whole local plan will then be thrown out again just on the basis of the gypsy plan. And at a further point, is the question is why is it proposed to bring back the gypsy and traveller plan into the local plan now?
4: Thank you, and we'll Thank you, you got a full answer to that. Um, Mr
13: Cody. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Good evening. My name is Robin Cody. I'm uh, speaking on behalf of the Five Acres Local Community Action, FOLCA. Uh, we're a group of local residents from the villages of Wickham, Bonhunt and Arkston, which was established in response to the ongoing Gypsy and Traveller consultation, but particularly in relation to uh, the site of Five Acres in Wickham, Bonhunt, Uh, We're responding to Item 7 on the agenda, which uh, proposes a major change to the local development plan, uh, development scheme, uh, and the merging of the Gypsy Traveller Consultation back into the plan, which Mr Coltman has uh, also referred to. I'm going to put this in a slightly different context and quickly talk about the Five Acres site, because I think it's important in everyone understanding uh, what the planning department are doing. Five Acres is a local uh, rural field which lies between the villages of Wickham, Bonhunt and Arkston, Um, As its name suggests, it's just over five acres in size. It's outside the respective village development limits, it's in an area of special landscape value, it fronts onto a protected lane and it floods on a very regular basis uh, and floods quite badly. It's unsustainable as a location and this is just to name a few of its failings. Uh, You will by now have seen the volume of responses to the consultation and the widely held local view. Uh, by residents at five acres is totally unsuitable and unsustainable. Again, for information, Folker has recently commissioned planning expert Strutton Parker to produce a report to respond to Uttlesford's public consultation, uh, and that includes two specialist reports on flood assessment and on transport and access sustainability. These reports conclusively reaffirm our local views And concludes that the inclusion of five acres as a site with potential, which is the current wording in the uh, consultation, is inconsistent with current planning advice. They express concerns with the methodology used by Uttlesford in justifying the inclusion of the site and that any allocation of five acres would be entirely inappropriate, unsuitable, unsustainable and fails a majority of Uttlesford's own site assessment criteria. As Mr. Cotman mentioned, in early December last year, a number of residents tr- um, tried to ask the, um, c- the council to cancel the second round of the Gypsy and Traveller consultation. There was a window of a few days, a window of opportunity to do this, uh, after the local plan was found and unsi- found by the inspector, but unfortunately this fell on deaf ears. Uh, yet less than two months later, that's exactly what is being suggested before the consultation is even finished. That said... We would agree that the Gypsy Traveller provision is considered in a single local plan. It appears that this is what the planning policy team is now recommending um, uh, to to the members. However, now that Uttlesford has consulted, the public must be listened to and their arguments considered. A single local plan approach is supported by us, but with one important caveat – that sites such as Five Acres, which are clearly unsuitable and unsustainable, are eliminated from the site selection process at the end of this current consultation. This would also resolve the tremendous uncertainty and concern it has caused amongst local residents. Perhaps this approach can be part of the Council's new listening strategy. Um, If Five Acres is still considered as suitable uh, by Uttersford, in the face of all the evidence that will be presented against it, We are confident that this would not be upheld by an inspector. The inspector's decision to find the current local plan unsound provides you with an opportunity to address these issues, notwithstanding the imminent publication of revised national planning policy guidance for gypsies and travellers, which is likely to significantly change the need in Uttlesford. We hope that common sense will prevail and that adopting this approach will be seen to have been decided by a council that does listen to its electorate and arrive at sensible solutions based upon robust evidence. It seems clear to us that the call for sites process is not the way to find suitable sites for gypsies and travellers. Finally, we would also ask whether it is actually correct procedurally to be discussing the inclusion of the gypsy-traveller consultation in a new local plan before the current consultation has even been completed. Could this be seen as wasting public funds if the process were abandoned now? And who would be held accountable for this? Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Cody.
4: Um, just to uh, point out to uh, those who are listening and those in the room, uh, the um, <coughs> process for um, gypsies and travellers is very similar to housing generally. Uttlesford uh, is obliged to find 26. Uh, new pitches, Uh, that's not the same as caravans, new pitches uh, in the next 20 years, nine in the first uh, five years, Um, and we're going through the process, and you've heard part of that. I think the two speakers have raised two key issues. Um, Probably, Mr Cody, we'll take it now anyway, but your, your point is probably more around item 10, I think, than item 7, but it doesn't matter. You, you make your point well, which is... And, and we're very aware, uh, quite a number of us uh, on uh, this committee have received a considerable number of comments about the suitability of the five acres, so we're very aware of local residents concerned. And rest assured, I, I, mean, I wrote a, a, a letter uh, this, morning to, uh, this afternoon to Mr Coltman that these will be considered... Um, as always, uh, obviously, consultation is not a referendum but, but they are they are considered and that is the point of consultation i will um, I, the other The other point is it's about bringing the two things together so at that point, I will ask Mr. Taylor to comment on that, um, and you may wish to touch on um, with withdrawing Arxton, but we've started a process of consultation, and i don 't think it would hit our policy of objectivity if
8: uh, it, 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 unless it goes through the full process, but I will ask Mr Taylor to comment. Thank you, Chairman. Um, members will remember that um, a while ago we were pursuing a, a single local plan strategy, um, and what we did, because the Gypsy and Traveller fell behind, is that we, we separated that out. The Government's clear guidance is that we should be um, having one, one document, um, one local plan document, um, and that's, that's the stance we've taken. Now that, um, effectively... Things have turned round, and the local plan is it will be it will belong than the Gypsy and Traveller. Um, the, the idea is to merge them back together. If you actually have a look at the, the consultation uh, response itself, um, the consultation document itself, um, in terms of the next steps that are set out in the Gypsy and Traveller consultation, it's quite clear that um, we were going to look throughout this year at the responses. Um, and uh, submit a a local plan for Gypsies and Travellers for consultation next year with the aim of adopting it at the end of next year. That's paragraph 14.5 of that consultation. Um, That's not really any different to the timescale we're talking about that's set out in the local development scheme in front of you. Um, The consultation hasn't yet closed and that's quite right Um we're coming on to that item but the idea is that we produce a report of reps summing up the consultation and looking at next steps coming to the next meeting so I'm slightly confused why people don't think that's going to happen we've always said we're going to conclude and bring that back um, and that's supposed to be on the 23rd of February meeting of, of this working group a report of that consultation and the outcome and comments and officer views going forward um, it's an important consultation to have um, it looks at the strategy um, that we're proposing in terms of the gypsies and travellers, in terms of how we're looking to deal with meeting the needs of that community. And that will go directly into the new single local plan as it emerges over the next next year or so. Um, so I, I don't think any part of this consultation is wasted. Obviously, when we come up with sites that we're going to allocate, housing or gypsies, we will put those back out to consultation so people will... Be able to have their say on whichever sites are put forward. Um, but there's no difference in terms of those processes and in terms of the time scale, there's no real difference in relation to that. I do hear what's been said about um, the revised guidance that the government consulted upon in terms of the definition for planning purposes of gypsies and travellers. And if that is implemented, that will mean we need to relook at the evidence base, because it changes the definition of gypsies and travellers to um, being gy- people that are actually moving to and fro as part of their lifestyle as opposed to uh, static gypsies and travellers. You can't remove the ethnicity, but it's quite clear the government consulted upon changing the definition for planning purposes so you couldn't have someone who is wholly resident on a site being classified for planning purposes as a gypsy and traveller. And yes, that would obviously change the demographic approach that is used in housing numbers of gypsies and travellers going forward because you'd need to carry out a whole new assessment looking at the number of people that do actually move and um, move to and fro as part of their daily life as gypsies and travellers and then build an assessment on that. Completely different approach to what's gone before, Um, so quite a different approach but the government. You know, we need to wait and see what happens in relation to that and obviously pick that up as we go th- go forward. But uh, our recommendation as officers is that a single local plan is definitely the way forward. Um, I appreciate that on the Gantt chart, wherever that is, the pretty coloured one. Um, it doesn't show in the 2015 line um, in February a response in terms of the report of reps, but that's certainly the intention that we, at the end of the consultation we bring back a report on the Gypsy and Traveller consultation and conclude that so we have uh, good guidance moving forward.
4: I can also uh, assure you that uh, this committee, who will be making a recommendation to Cabinet and then full Council, will most certainly do a site visit as a key part of of the whole process. So uh, we'll be acutely aware of all the points that have been raised by local residents before we come to any kind of conclusion. uh, I'll I'll let you come back uh, if you wish, but I have a number of other speakers now wanting... But yeah.
12: Yes, I'd just like some reassurance that that when this working group considers the the results of the consultation, which you say it will be at your next meeting, you have an opportunity to eliminate some sites if you deem them to be unsuitable. Otherwise, you'll be carrying forwards sites that are unsuitable into the next round of consultation, and you'll be calling for sites. And knowing that you've got some sites that are unsuitable, it seems complete madness to not make the decision just on site suitability. That's all we're asking, is that when you get the report, with all of the residents' responses, that this group actually decide which of those sites go forward into the next round of consultation.
4: I think, if I understood Mr Taylor correct, that's exactly what will happen.
12: So, so you're saying that you could eliminate some sites if you deem them unsuitable at your next meeting? Yeah.
4: Right. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask Councillor Manel if you're okay with that. Um, Yeah, sure. Do you want to come to the mic? Yeah. And if we're not able to get round, in terms of making a decision, we must have visited those sites. If we can't do that, then we'll have to postpone when the meeting it comes to. Councillor Minnell.
14: Chairman, I feel it necessary to express my grave concern with regard to the Gypsy and Traveller consultation that we have discussed at length since 2012 and are currently going through with regard to the issues and options I represent Arkston, and in many years that I have been a councillor, I have never experienced such concern amongst residents and the parish councils. Excuse me, there's a fly. <laughs> <laughs> Their concern has resulted in an action group and a parish council employing its own lawyers and advisers to cope with what is perceived to be a totally flawed process. The inspector, reviewing the now defunct local plan, passed comment on the way this council had handled some aspects of a consultation process, for example with neighbouring councils. I think, therefore, that it would be very wise to heed those comments and reflect on the way that the Gypsy and Traveller consultation has been addressed so far. I understand that it is now suggested that the Gypsy and Traveller consultation will be absorbed into the new local plan and will not be submitted separately. I would like an assurance that all the comments received so far will be considered and used in the process, and you have actually done that. I would ask the committee to review the way in which consultation took place between the settled community and the traveller community, a matter constantly referred to by Oxton Parish Council as to be found wanting, I am also concerned that having used Peter Brett Consultants, the Council did not take the opportunity for councillors to question the authors of that document. I and Councillor Oliver voiced our concern and voted against the total acceptance of its findings before it was approved by the Cabinet. It is now in circulation as Attlesford District Council's own document with minimal changes. The estrangement of two communities, that is the travellers and the settled community, has been inevitably enhanced by the proceedings that we have gone through so far in possibly all areas of our district. We did not heed the advice given to us by South Somerset colleagues and the Romany travellers who spent a day with us and advised us that five pitches were the ideal. We have instead... Forward the Peter Brett suggestion of the possibility of 12 pitches in an area of five acres in open countryside with no containment. I am therefore requesting that this council and this committee thoroughly review the consultation processes that are adopted before submitting the next local plan and that every method in its disposal is used to repair the damage to the relationship between the parish council and the settled community, and the travelling community. An inspector must not have reason for finding the next plan, plan unsound. No decisions have been made, and none should be made, on sites that are proven to be unsustainable if our own criteria are applied. Thank you.
4: Thank you very much indeed, Catherine And, Earl, and uh, We've all... We- have heard your words with care and I hope that some of your points were answered by
1: earlier interventions Councillor Dean I'm not going to attempt to respond to anything that's been said because uh, uh, I don't know the background at all I'm new to this working group and I've not been involved in the um, gypsy and traveller process at all up to now but what I, I... all I'm going to say is that I'm confused, uh, in that I can't understand why item 10 is on the agenda, and, 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 and perhaps that is the reason for um, people coming along tonight, uh, uh, expecting maybe a decision. I, I'm, I'm just not clear why, why, why that's on the agenda, halfway through a consultation, um, and all I would ask is that whenever this comes back, whether it's the next meeting or after, that the matters that have been raised, matters of concern that have been raised tonight, are addressed so that people like me can understand what's been going on in the past, as as well as where we are, Uh, so we can, if we have to come to some judgment, we can do it fully informed. I guess I'm not fully informed at the moment. No. And and one of the reasons why the update was... uh, uh, Part of the agenda was to
4: help that process for new members... Um, And as I've already indicated, you'll have the opportunity to obviously visit uh, that site as the Planning Committee visits their sites so that uh, every member of this committee is very clear uh, 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 about the concerns. But I just reiterate, at some point, uh, this committee will need to recommend to full council uh, 26 um, additional sites for... Uh, gypsy and traveller pitches because that is our statutory obligation so we will do that in due course um, but take into account uh, all the points of course that have been made Councillor Oliver and then uh, uh, we'll get back because obviously we've concentrated quite a lot on one particular aspect of this and this is quite a broad paper about uh, the whole scheme and I just want to get back to that because we are asking for your um, to recommend its approval. Councillor Oliver and then we'll move on.
3: Thank you Chairman. This is, is a great pity well, ha- where we are on this. Uh, Councillor Manel and I strongly spoke against this, the Peter Brett report at the time. It re- produced 41 um, pitches and we're now down to 18. And if you take out, and we should take out without any question, the five-acre site at Arp- at said to be Arxton but is actually closer to Wiccan and may even be closer to Clavering. Without doubt that should be taken out. So that leaves with six. So there is a huge problem here which has to be resolved. Just touching on the five-acre site and Councillor Manell has very clearly stated certain reasons why it should be rejected. Going back to the Peter Brett report it was... It was shoddy and it was sloppy. The they took people's assertions about the site without checking with people who actually lived in the village because the owner of the site lives up in North Norfolk and really has no care for what's going to happen. It possibly could happen in this area. And to remind you that this site was turned down by the Uttlesford by the enforcement officers because it creates unsuitable development In an area which is outside village development limits and is an area of special landscape value and adjoining a protected lane. That was our own enforcement officers, and we are still, that is still in the paper. So I very much hope that our officers will take notice of this and they will have to go out for sites again and they will also bear in mind. What our own officers said some, some time ago in the enforcement action: the, the site should never have been in the list. Thank you, Councillor Oliver. Final word from Mr. Taylor, and then we'll, on that subject, if there's
4: anything you want to add at this stage. No. In which case, I, all these points have, have, have uh, been duly heard, and I think your point on numbers is also relevant, Councillor Oliver, because if we can't uh, get them from the existing list, then obviously we'll have to find them from somewhere else. Um, Is there anything else you wish to say on the paper as a whole, Mr Taylor?
8: No, uh, we are required to have a local development scheme and submit it to the planning inspectorate. Um, So we have to update them periodically. It's a decision then of of Cabinet to adopt that as our our scheme, Um, and then we we send it to the planning inspectorate. These are updated on a regular basis. You've already heard me say some of the timescale in terms of the duty to cooperate. You know, will fluctuate and when, it, when things become more settled we will bring an update if need be before you Thank you,
4: Councillor Barker and then I'll put this to Just the Just
9: a, a couple of things, on page 45 we refer to neighbourhood plans and parish plans but we, actually that's the thing, we don't mention neighbourhood plans it says we'll adopt parish plans and village design guidance but we should shortly have a neighbourhood plan in place in Dunmo so I assume that we might make reference to those and the other thing was just a, a, a small change on page 47 that we have now um, adopted the conservation area appraisal for orderly end, it should read.
8: So can I ask you what was your first one?
9: Um, so on page, top of page 45, page 8 of the document, it says the council will approve parish plans and village design statements where they've been prepared in accordance, etc. But presumably we will also approve neighbourhood plans.
8: No, Chairman. This is Council-approved guidance. Neighbourhood plans follow a completely separate process. Um, They are submitted. um, It's actually on page 48 of the document, just above uh, Chapter 8. They follow a completely different process. Um, and once they are submitted by the relevant parish or town council we have a duty to carry out a few legal checks and then submit them for an independent examination and then vote Um, so they're they're not adopted by us in that same way but we certainly do refer to them there on uh, on page 48 or 11 depending on which number you're looking at Um, and uh, we are supporting those and and we expect Great Dunmo to come forward to us shortly
4: Okay so the recommendation is that the working group note. Um, Councilor Dean,
1: I've, I've got um, three points. Um, the, stay with me, the first one refers to page 42, a statement of community involvement. I, I, <clears throat> I, d- I don't have any particular suggestions for improvement, but I just feel that in view of the um, public disquiet over the now defunct um, local plan whether we should at least take um, a fresh look at the statement of community involvement to see whether there are any tweaks that can be made to it in order to um, help us regain public trust or however you want to um, uh, express that. But but, but I think that's one of the areas that um, that some people will feel we uh, we could have been better at, and, and I think we at least ought to pass it before ourselves. And if it's fine, it's fine. If, it's yep. if we can improve okay. it, we we couldn't. We'll do that. Yeah. On um, on, on pages 44 and 45. I, I, in a way, I suppose I'm coming back to something I said earlier. Um, the, um, the the set of bullet points in the middle of page forty four where it talks about council's vision objectives and spatial strategy, and then um, in the table in paragraph six on page forty five when again it talks about the council 's vision objectives and spatial strategy for the district uh, again I think this is something that we we should uh, address to because do we all know what it is um, and, and and if we don't then we, we're not well equipped to Take the plan forward. So, I think that again is something that should come before the working group at um, an early stage because I think it's very much part of a kind of well, if we've got almost a blank sheet, what's it going to start to look like as time goes on?
4: Thank you. I'll repeat the points that I made. These are perfectly legitimate points. Um, I think what we concluded at the end of item five was that we would um, determine the numbers. But I will have a conversation with uh, 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 Mr Taylor in terms of your blue sky thinking idea and um, how we start that without coming to any conclusions oh, absolutely, that absolutely. aren't objectively assessed well, because no, no, I, I think we absolutely yep. have, but I, we hear what you're saying and absolutely we'll, we will have a spatial strategy but the first piece of the jigsaw are other numbers? Yes.
1: You no, know, no, I agree, and, and you know, I mean, you, you, I'll, I'll, say it, I'll say it here and now. In no way do I want to try and short-circuit no, no. doing it properly. But your points are well made. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> okay, uh, if there are no other <laughs> questions,
4: I remind you that the LDS is the project plan for the Uttlesford Local Plan, and uh, you have that plan, uh, the scheme, in front of you. And uh, I ask you to recommend its approval um, f- to be put forward uh, for cabinet. Those in favour. Those against, those abstaining, Councillor Oliver. Thank you. We move on to item eight, the five-year land supply. Uh,
10: So item eight on page 65, Um, this report updates members on the council's five-year land supply following the local plan examination. Um, Members will recall that the council has to be able to demonstrate at least a five-year supply of housing and um, having this five-year supply puts the council in a stronger position in defending its housing policies. Um, The council calculates its supply of deliverable sites annually. Um, Generally, we publish this in June of each year following the survey of sites in April at sites that have um, gained plan permission, whether they've been built or um, work has started. Um, In June 2014, the council could demonstrate that it had 6.2 years Supply, and that's as set out in paragraph 6 on page 66. In his conclusions, the local plan inspector commented on the council's housing requirement and supply, I think, as set out in paragraph 8 of the report. Um, he commented on the requirement and supply. He suggested the requirement should be increased by 10%. Um, he considered that we need only apply a 5% front loading and that there was no need to include a lapse rate or a figure for backlog. He was happy with the windfall allowance that we'd included and happy with the level of deliverable sites. Um, The report shows, as set out in paragraphs 9, 10 and 11, that these last two elements remain healthy um, so we're in a sort of strong position there. So, finally, turning to Table 1 on page 68, we recalculate the five-year land supply, taking into account the inspector's comments. Um, So the target is increased to um, five lots of 580, and that's the best figure we have at the moment. When the figures of the Schmar come out, we will recalculate it. We have to take into account that since uh, 2011... We've had um, 1,451 built, which compared to the target of 580 a year gives us a shortfall of 289, which is larger than we had previously because of the larger target. Uh, We've included the 5% front loading. So we have an overall target of 3348, um, which compared to the supply gives us a surplus of 244 or 5.4 years supply. So, using the new figures, um, revised figures, following the inspector's report, um, we've got um, a less healthy supply, but still over five years. Um, So, the next trajectory and five-year housing land supply statement will um, be published in June, um, but this is sort of an interim position.
4: Thank you very much indeed. Um, (coughs) This is um, for information, this uh, item, but... uh, and you've all read the report and um, heard from Mrs. Nicholas any
3: queries, comments? Just a small point, Chairman looking at page 70 third item down Clavering Jubilee Works I'm slightly surprised that that's been pushed into 1617 and 1718 because the first two show houses are virtually built now and they're up and so that, that those that may come forward, I would suggest.
10: Yeah, this this is taking the information that we had sort of nearly a year ago. So obviously, when we review it this year, we'll be able to take into account what how sites have progressed during the year.
3: Oh, it, was year t- it was a year ago. These figures. Yeah. Tickers.
10: Yeah.
3: Thank you. Sorry, chairman. Okay, Councillor Dean. Doing very
1: well. I, I I'm intrigued by the. Um, The risk analysis on on page 69, where it says that the risk regarding five-year land supply is that councillors have insufficient information to make an informed decision on planning applications. Is that a nice way of saying keep on approving them so that the five-year land supply doesn't disappear? Well,
4: I'll ask Mr <laughs> Taylor to comment on that, but uh, uh, as you know, the Planning Committee, and we have some representatives here, oh, and I'm sure Councillor Loughlin will back me up on this, is a totally independent uh, committee, not swayed by political or any other pressure.
11: Or um, numbers. There are other things to planning applications merely them, mere near numbers. I hope that will never be the case. That we no, in,
4: indeed. I, no. I, 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 and we have the Chairman of that Committee, and indeed uh, Councillor Eden here, so I, I, I'm I'm pretty confident uh, that uh, that is an independent committee, but we need to be mindful uh, that we do need to have a five-year land supply. Uh, that's not to put pressure on the planning committee, but without it, um, obviously, you're very much more exposed. I think everybody's well aware of that, and uh, this evening, uh, we can uh, be rest assured, but life moves on, and in June, that may not be the picture.
8: Anything to add, Mr Taylor? No, I mean, the only thing is that, obviously, if we have this information that we have or haven't got a five-year land supply, that, tri- that trips in different considerations for officers and the planning committee to take into account. So that's the important bit. Um, there are other issues, I completely agree, from Councillor Lockhane's point, but regardless of that, if you haven't got a five-year land supply, you have to take a different consideration. Other things might still overrule it, and you might still refuse an application, but you have to take different assumptions into account and different considerations, so it's vital that both officers and councillors have the most up-to-date information possible.
4: Okay, the working group's updated. It's noted the report. If there are no other points, I shall move on to item nine, the duty to cooperate. Now, we've already had quite a good discussion on this, so, um, Ms Taylor, I don't know
8: if there's anything else you want to add to the conversations we've already had. Um, Only briefly, Chairman. Um, we have, as you will be aware, updated members um, with a number of these reports over the last few um, years. I think it's important that we continue to do that. Um, and as they seem to be increasing in importance, perhaps the regularity will also increase. Um, we've touched on Schmar. we've touched on the Cooperation Sustainable Development Board on page 78. We haven't touched on the further alterations of the local plan, although Councillor Barker referenced it earlier. And I think this is an important thing for us to um, realise. Um, the inspector for the Further Alteration Local Plan adopted it. What did I say? London Plan. Further alter- yeah, London plan um, adopted the document, but said there needed to be an immediate review in this year. Um, so those discussions will commence and the discussion that uh, London was not meeting its housing target by about 20000 a year and how to ensure that 20,000 houses a year were provided somewhere outside of London it will be an interesting topic of conversation in these discussions moving forward. Um, a working group has been set up, um, which I've been asked to, uh, to join, but obviously we will report those back to you as and when um, as and when they, they arise. Councillor Barker.
9: Um, for those of you who may not have read the report in full, the... Uh, There are sort of suggestions that London should be providing up to 60,000 houses a year, and the Mayor of London's plan at the moment only sort of provides for about 42,000. These are targets, and they're enormous targets, but I thought the most interesting bit in reading the document was actually that historically, for the last umpteen years, London has only been building 24,000. So it does say something a bit about delivery and targets, and you can set a target at 60,000 and say that someone else has got to take them, you know, and does that let London off the hook and they build even fewer for their own population? So it will be a very interesting discussion as we move forwards.
4: OK, I think it's, uh, it's important that uh, this working group is very clear about the duty to cooperate. It's a statutory obligation, as we've discussed several times this evening. It has implications and, obviously, uh, there are important discussions to have which will be fed back to this working group on a very regular basis. There are no other points. It was a, a paper to note. I'll move on to item 10. And uh, remind uh, ourselves that we have two speakers, although one of them has already spoken. So unless you wish to speak again, Councillor Manell. Did you wish to make any other points? No. In which case I, I will uh, ask uh, Mike Lindsel to come. Thank you.
0: Right, thank you. Good evening. Um, perhaps I should have been speaking before item 7 on the agenda. I'm a bit confused and uh, yeah. uh, we'll see how we get on. But uh, I've been associated with Red Winter End and so I'm speaking about the Star Green um, Gypsy development. Um, I've been associated with Red Winter End since 1953. These are my own views. We are a small community of 20 houses, thereabouts. We haven't got a working party. I've spoken to one or two of the residents... And uh, I didn't know about the meeting here till this afternoon, that's why I was a late applicant. And as a working but there's not a working group, and we haven't actually got a, a project together. Um, I, my association is I farm on two sides of the, the Stargreen site. Um, my mother still lives up at Radwin Trend. Um, but I question why this land is referred to as a, a Gypsy Traveller site. The present occupants, uh, Mr and Mrs Loveridge um, and the family, have lived there since the mid-70s. Um, and we have not had any significant problems from them, and as far as we're concerned, we're quite happy for them to stay there. I believe they own the land because they had squatters' rights. It was a piece of land that nobody really knew who owned, and I think when they'd find the owner, the owner couldn't be bothered to um, claim it, and so they had squatters' rights. Now, I've been looking up the uh, um, planning application. In 1985, although they'd been there for probably 10 years, they applied for retrospective plan permission to retain a mobile home, um, which they did. The council tried to integrate them into the community. Children attended the local schools, and I believe some of the children have married local people. They have now lived there, um, for over 30 years, probably nearer 40 years. At no time has there ever been suggested that there, that has been a gypsy traveller site. Um, so the planning permission in 1985 was the retention of one mobile home. In the appendix of the document I've seen, it said that there was a storage of two caravans, but that wasn't in the original application, and I can't find any mention of that. Um, It was granted with conditions. Um, The first one was the mobile home hereby approved shall be occupied by Mr and Mrs Loveridge and their immediate dependents and when they cease permanent occupation it shall be removed from the site to the satisfaction of the local planning authority. The reason giving was that permission for the stationing of individual mobile homes for permanent accommodation is not normally granted by the planning authority having regard for the policy of the area. The permission was granted because of the um, circumstances of the applicant. There were two other um, conditions. Um, one was that uh, no trees or shrubs or that should be removed. And the other one was that the mobile home um, should be used for domestic purposes and not any separate industrial, commercial, business or permanent residence. Um, and the rest of the site shall not be used for carrying on the scrap metal activities. Well I mean the last two um, conditions probably haven't been adhered to but um, in the country it's a bit of lit and let let, live and let live and so they have um, remained there. So my point is that um, I cannot understand why this has been regarded as a um, traveller site. The fact they've lived there for the best part of 40 years um, I don't think they can be called travellers or gypsies. And so, yeah, that are my my personal views.
4: Well, thank you very much indeed for making your point. Uh, um, I don't know whether uh, you've got anything to say at this stage. You have? Yeah, okay.
15: Okay, well, I'll comment on the report and then come back at the end. So, this is purely an update to members about the Gypsy and Traveller issues and options consultation that is still ongoing. Um, the consultation started on the 8th of December and runs until the 2nd of February. Um, letters and emails were sent to all statutory consultees. All parish councils received hard copies of the document along with comments forms. Um, people on our databases were sent letters and emails. Um, local libraries have also received the document, um, all in line with our statement of community involvement. Since I wrote the report, a number of representations have been received. So if I just update you on the current figures. Um, as it stands now, there have been 279 respondents making 1,185 comments. However, I still have about 100 representations yet to input onto the system. Um, and as you've heard, the plan is to come back with a report of those representations to this working group at the end of February. Um, As to answer the comments and the question regarding Radwinter Star Green, um, the consultants spoke to the family and the family themselves regard themselves as Gypsy and Travellers. So in in that respect, it's a Gypsy and Traveller site. The family regards themselves um, to fall within that category.
4: Is, maybe just ask on behalf of everybody they regard themselves, as is that the end of it is, there, is that our sort of statutory duty you ask the question yes, and then yes
15: and then in, in 1985 yeah. as well we weren't, we weren't asking those questions either no so. cool.
4: uh, once more but uh, I'm being very tolerant yeah
12: if you're accepting the word of the consultants that the site at Star Green is occupied by Gypsy Travellers because they say so What about the 20 pitches at Stansted where they've been asked and they say they're not travellers and yet these sites have taken no enforcement action over these sites. So we have 20 pitches pitches at Stansted where they declare to be not travellers.
4: We, 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 are, um, we hear what you're saying. Um, if, of course, they weren't gypsy sites, we'd be looking for another 20 somewhere else. So you have to be careful what you're, uh, you're, you're wishing for. Because at the end of the day, I repeat myself, we will have to find 26 new pitches on the current numbers. But I, we've heard your point, um, and um, that will be part of the, the overall process. But at this stage, we're, we're just hearing an update on the consultation. What well, I think it would be helpful, because there are a number of representatives here who... I'll come to you, Mr Howe, who clearly will be um, wanting to be involved when we get near to a decision, and and, uh, bearing in mind that we've given the commitment that we will view all the sites before we make any decision, what are you proposing that we do at the end of February?
8: I think at the end of February we will have a a normal report of reps, and if anyone has seen how we published them in the past, it will look at the number of responses, um, the questions answered, the general outcome. Um, There will be recommendations in relation to officers we won't be able to organise um, that and a site visit before the meeting, so as you've indicated, you you do want at least to allow the working group to go on a a site visit to all those um, sites being suggested, that will need to take place after, so it might be the working group will need to receive the report, but not finally decide on it, if you like, or certainly not decide on the, might be able to decide on some things, but not others, but anyway, um, we'll need to work out that, and then At some point, during late February, March, I suppose, um, if that's that's what we want to do, we need to arrange a time for a site visit for the members to the variety of different sites.
4: That's what we'll do. So we will not be making any decisions at the end of February as to... uh, This committee won't be making them. We might be receiving a report, but we won't be making any recommendations. uh, Yeah... yeah, Final points from each of you, but those are the final points on this subject, because we're not making any decisions on gypsies tonight. We're only only receiving a report update. I mean, it's been helpful, because I think uh, the committee is much more aware of the issues than it was before it started the meeting this evening, Uh, but but you're not putting in your final pitch here. There will be another opportunity to do that, Um, but if there's anything that's material to this evening's discussion, which is uh, receiving an update on the report, please come forward.
13: I'd just like to uh, clarify the point that you've just made, the assertion you've made that you need to find new pitches for gypsies and travellers. And to pick up on Mr Coltman's point, just for members, that Uttlesford does have 20 authorised pitches that are not occupied by gypsies. In the ORS report, it stated that if Uttlesford had taken enforcement action, they would not need 20 pitches. And because Uttlesford hasn't taken that action, that is why they've left those figures out of their report. I would also just like to say that in our investigations, we're not convinced that the consultants have visited the sites. Certainly when speaking to uh, the consultants at Place Services who undertook the sustainability report, they hadn't. They'd undertaken a desktop, and if you were... Uh, Peter Brett associate you wouldn 't have made the the, the conclusion or we'll come to the conclusions that you would have done if you 'd actually visited the site Thank you thank you finally Mr yeah,
0: it was just a clarification. did Mr Andrew Taylor say that you cannot be regarded as a gypsy if you're wholly resident at the site? You said that earlier on
8: no. Um, what I said was the government were considering changing um, the rules in relation to planning policy um, in terms of the definition of gypsies and travellers for planning purposes. Um, They haven't done that yet. Um, That wouldn't remove the ethnicity from somebody who was a gypsy and traveller but if the government do what they consulted upon um, they would change the planning policy definition of gypsies and travellers so it would only be people who still travelled in relation to their luck, their, their, their work or their, their lifestyle that would fall within that definition for planning purposes. But at the moment? At the moment, no. Um, you can reside on a site and not move from BGIP syndrome for planning purposes. Yeah, and, and the other thing is
0: that we feel that we've been left in the dark because nobody really seems to know what a pitch is, whether it's one or two caravans.
4: I um, think there is a definition around a pitch. We can, we can enlighten you on that this right, evening.
8: Okay. No, well, uh, uh, it's in, it's
15: in it. yeah. the appendix.
8: Uh, the gentleman there's, doesn't have the there's, Do there's you de- have te- the papers? No. no. There's, there's details in relation to, to that. A pitch is normally, and it's always normally, a one mobile home and one tourer. Um, so that, that's, that's a normal pitch. But obviously there are had experience where you have a, I don't know, a slightly larger family or older children that have a caravan, so they end up with, with two or three. But it's normally one uh, a permanent caravan and one tourer.
4: Okay. Thank you very much, uh, all the speakers who have uh, commented on this, I- this item, and indeed to all of those who have written in. Um just to summarise, we will have an update on the subject at the end of February at our next meeting. I ask members of this committee, you're going to be asked to do site visits, so we will need to schedule those in, and we won't be making any decisions – sorry, Mr. Howell, Councillor Howell uh, – and we won't be making any decisions until we've had a very good chance to evaluate this fully and professionally. Councillor Howell, and then we'll move on. Um,
2: thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, can I endorse Mr Linsell's comments that the Mr and Mrs Loveridge – have lived at Star Green for many, many years, 30 years or so, and uh, as far as I'm aware, as the the local councillor, uh, local residents and Loverages get along fine, and there are no major issues to report. Um, I do have some reservations about the Peter Brett consultation report, and I, I... and I echo the comments that other councillors have made, Councillor Manell and Councillor Oliver. I attended two meetings of the earlier working group, and I was very concerned from personal experience at the way that a particular site was described. It struck me that the individual had not visited the site And if so, or if he had or she had, had whizzed past in a car at high speed. And and I I would endorse the idea of actually visiting each of these sites to identify for certain. Can I ask that we actually have a formal report at our next meeting on the enforcement issue? Because it is a matter of great concern to me that we have, and the figure of 20 sites has been mentioned, 20 authorised sites that are not occupied by gypsies. So if we make one decision this evening can I please put it to to the committee and ask for their support, that we have a formal uh, report on the enforcement action that is being taken um, so we are able to make a a decision on this matter, knowing exactly how many sites we actually do have which are not being added towards this list. Um, And I would like some clarification, specifically about Star Green, because at the moment it has permission for one mobile home and two storage caravans. And the report is is silent on the owner's intentions, but I've always assumed that the application is for members of the Loveridge family, and it reflects our policy that we give support for small-scale expansion of sites to reflect their son and daughter needing, needing a caravan. But if we do go down that route... I, I certainly want the reassurance that that is who will be occupying it. Um, and since the original planning permission was given to the Loverages and they get along well with their neighbours and it causes no problem, that, I hope, would reassure neighbours enormously. Um, and it's, it's, it's that which I think I'm probably seeking, to give, to give people some comfort. Because inevitably there are rumours and concerns and I, I hope and I believe that they're misplaced and it would be helpful if we could have some clarification on that.
4: Are we able to give that clarification tonight or would you like to come back Well, the, the,
8: to the first point is, certainly the submission that's been made is the indication is it's for family use. Um, but I'll remind you that this is um, the planning process and the planning process deals with permissions running with land and that's how it will be dealt with. Um, we don't give allocations to specific people or anything like that planning application necessarily so it runs with. It. in terms of the uh enforcement as i've said many times before i'm not prepared to discuss ongoing enforcement but i've always said that when we end up with the consultation we will have a report about it i've said that all along so that will be what's happened
4: okay well that's quite clear so you will you will hear on the issue but we can't comment on enforcement as as it's if it's a matter of sub at the moment uh Chief Executive, did you wish to see? No. 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 Okay, so you've had the, um, the updated uh, report. Now we've now moved on to item 11, uh, the annual monitoring report.
10: So, hopefully, just a, a quick report on this. Yep. Um, so, a duty on the Council to prepare monitoring reports. Um, paragraph 8 on page 130 lists the issues covered in the report. Um, The uh, annual monitoring report does include reports on employment, retail and housing which have already been published following consideration by the Local Plan Working Group. Um, uh, So it pulls together those reports um, because they were prepared as the data became available as well as some new information on car parking standards designated sites and renewable energy schemes. It's a report that we put to Council, um, to members every year, and publish. Are
4: there any questions, uh, Mr. Nicholas? It's a statutory report, which, as you say, you produce annually, and uh, you've read it. It helps, I think, uh, in the learning process for the whole subject. Councillor
9: Barker. Could I just query one thing on page 11 that here we're referring to the progress in the key strategies of the current local development scheme, but where this timetable is the one that's now been superseded by what we've just agreed: <laughs> Sorry, I appreciate this was
10: March last year.: Yeah, that I mean the AMR, the annual monetary report usually is sort of a year behind, as it were, because it covers the period 13-14. Um, um, I think Andrew was going to say, was him, was going to say that it, this has yet to be agreed, so that the, the LDS that you've had before you... Okay.
4: Councillor Dean.
1: Yes, thank you, Chairman. I've got a question on... Um, page 50, which is referring to affordable housing, where if I'm reading this correctly, there's a 229, to be precise, shortfall in the delivery of affordable housing between 2000 and 2011. Um, I mean, all I ask at this stage is, is the, the delivery of affordable housing going to be something that the working group can try to get its head around over over coming months. I mean, I know it was one area that the um, the inspector uh, recognised as, as a shortfall. Um, but if we, we were aiming at 980, according to this, and we've delivered 751, and the difference is 229, am I reading that correctly? Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to start a debate now, but I just want to ensure that we've got the opportunity to understand this, what it means, and what we can do about it, and where where there are barriers, such as the discussion that you had at Cabinet only two weeks ago.
8: Um, you are correct in, in your calculation. The strategic housing market assessment that we will get will have a whole section about affordable housing requirements, the overall level needed, and the different types of uh, you know, two, three, four, five, whatever bedroom houses. So as part of receiving that report, that will be the ideal time to look at our requirements and think about how we might meet it, if we're able to meet it, and, and, and those sort of discussions regarding difficulties of delivery. So, yeah.
4: Certainly the delivery of affordable housing is a core objective of this council Um, and um, whatever we can do and I think it's a perfectly legitimate thing that this working group looks at in terms of uh, fulfilling um, (coughs) what we can. Uh, The second part of my letter to the Prime Minister was on that very subject because you're probably aware um, developments of ten houses or left no longer carry an affordable housing requirement which is an important source of affordable housing for this council. We've got a number of affordable houses through that route um, and I think that's a very... Um, unfortunate uh, development of the MPPF and we've written accordingly. Um, but uh, yeah, affordable housing is fundamental because it's very dependent on the 40%. There are exception sites but they're the smaller percentage as you're well aware. Okay, we've, um, we haven't uh, gone through every page of uh, your report, Ms Nicholas, but I think we, we understand uh, that it is a statutory report and um, Therefore, we note it. Thank you. But it is a key, as I say, a key part of the, the learning. Now, I think poor Mr Pine has been dealt a bad hand here. He's had to wait for the whole meeting to come to his item. They should have put you on first. I think you should complain. Um, Councillor, but, but is this on, I- on this item? Councillor 12? After Jeremy. Okay, but this, this is an item for, um, uh, that we're, 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 we're actually making a recommendation. We're not just noting. So, Mr Pine.
16: That's correct, Chairman. Thank you. This draft study is Network Rail's vision of what needs to be provided on the railway to meet anticipated demand for rail travel on the Anglia region up to 2024, which is the end of Control Period 6, and in the longer term until 2043. No spending decisions have yet been made for Control Period 6, which runs from 2019 to 2024. Basically, the rail industry works on five year spending blocks, and so the next at the moment unfunded period is CP six. Now this draft study has been assisted by a series of stakeholder working groups which started in January of last year. I attended those on behalf of this council and they were run alongside other working groups which looked at technical issues and cross boundary issues such as with um, Midland region and things like that. Now the consultation runs until Tuesday the third of February and I suggest Chairman that the council replies via a letter from yourself as leader. The report sets out briefly what is to be provided on the West Anglian Main Line, which I refer to as WAML, by the end of CP5, and sets out how Network Rail has calculated demand up to 2043. And that's paragraphs 8 to 11 of the report. As an aside, Chairman, it's worth pointing out at this stage that the West Anglia Routes Group, which is the rail working group of the London Stanford um, Cambridge Consortium, has frequently carried out passenger headcounts at stations along the, the WAML route. And these headcounts have demonstrated that the data provided to the rail industry by the Office of Rail Regulation frequently underestimate the number of passengers using the rail stations by up to 145% in some inner London station cases. Now, walks counts have been moderated by Transport for London, so we can attach some weight to them. We think the main reason why the ORR are underestimating rail travel is that they're recording sales of tickets rather than actual trips and with Oyster cars, of course, you, 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 you touch in and you touch out. We don't think the ORR have been picking that up. And what ORR have also been missing, of course, is the amount of unrecorded ticketless travel that takes place in a London. Paragraphs 12 to 16 explain the conditional outputs that are set out in the draft study. Uh, a conditional output is an aspiration, not a recommendation and is conditional on being deliverable in a manner which represents both value for money and which is affordable to funders. So whilst there may be conditional outputs specified in the draft study, that doesn't mean to say at the end of the day they will be value for money or would be affordable. That really is the next stage of work. From paragraph 17 onwards, the report considers some of the main implications that the study appears to have for the rail service beyond 2043, which I hope is self-explanatory and I won't go through them in a lot of detail. The report also picks up the adjournment debate that was held in the House of Commons on 27 November 2014. What I am suggesting, Chairman, is that this group endorses the six points in paragraph 24 of the report, and I will incorporate these into the Council's reply. I have seen a draft response from the London Stanford Cambridge Consortium and the West Anglia Roots Group, which reflect the same concerns expressed in your report. I also suggest, Chairman, that in the response on Stancid Airport, we express concern that the recommendations that the Airports Commission has made about surface access to Stancid in a letter to the Chancellor of the Exchequer do not seem to have been taken into account in the draft study. Those recommendations suggest a detailed route study between London and the airport to look at how enhancements to the route might benefit all rail users, not just those to the airport. I understand, Chairman, as to Davis who is the Chair of the Commission, is also concerned about the lack of this, this work in the route study. Thank you, Chairman.
4: Thank you very much indeed. Councillor Cheatham. Does anybody else wish to speak to this item? Councillor Dean.
5: Thank you. Well, um, as the portfolio ho- um, holder on this Council for a- Aviation, I did actually want to um, just express a couple of concerns here. Um, I Yes, we want to see an improved service, but I am very concerned that the London Stansted Corridor, London Stansted Cambridge Corridor Consortium, they are pushing for this very firmly. They're pushing for 30 minutes from Stansted to London, and I am concerned for this council that we must not let this Sideline the need for our computer uh, for our commuter trains, because it is very important that we have good service from Audley End, Stanstead, and Bishop Stortford. Bishop Stortford is the main railway station for people that commute into the city from from uh, from, my, from, the, from the south from, from Hatfield Heath um, from, from all those they go into Bishop Stortford. some go into Stansted Airport if they can afford the um, premium on the ticket and it is quite a premium on the ticket and the fact you have to pay to, 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 to park there and you have to pay to be dropped off there. So I think it is very important that this council's re, council reiterates that commuter um, commuter services must benefit from any improvements they have on the line. Um, I've been assured by Sir Allen that he is saying this, but I do—I I seem to hear more in the paper about Stansted getting 30 minutes than I do about the commuters, and I think we as a, as a council need to push this point very, very firmly. We do have a percent, quite a large percentage of our population who commutes into London, and it is ter- terribly important for them that they have a good service there, because we actually need them for our services and everything within the district. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Whilst um, we're listening to other speakers, you might want to think of some strengthening words around the commuter uh, interests. Councillor Dean.
1: I'm not quite sure where to begin with this because it's—I uh, mean it's a saga that's been going on for years and nothing happens. In fact, I wrote down here uh, in response to paragraph two of Jeremy's recommendations, you know, expressed disappointment that the draft study is not very aspirational. I mean, to, you know, to me it's kind of the out, output of some sort of wishy-washy de- debating society that goes on talking and talking but never produces any result that delivers anything, and and I I I, I just find the whole thing extremely frustrating. So. You, you
13: know,
1: we talk about extra extra, extra capacity, and I, and I agree that extra capacity may be part of it. I mean, we've had a 12 coach platform at Stansted Mount Fitcher for several years now, and I have never, well, there hasn't been one that'll stop there, um, as far as I'm aware anyway. Um, but but it, is, it is about journey times as well, because uh, I happen to. Possess some old railway timetables when it was much quicker <laughs> to get to, to get to Liverpool Street than it, than it is now, and obviously there's far more traffic now than there used to be in the 1920s and the 1960s. Um, I, 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 I suppose I'm, I'm just trying to get my head around what it is that we need to push in order to get somebody to focus and listen, and and. Deliver because it it just seems to me as though it's just an interminable debate. Alan Hazelhurst pops up in the newspapers every nine months, and uh, and then it's the same same story nine months later. It's I'm looking for help, really, because uh, I mean, I I agree that this is the sort of thing we should be saying, but I'm almost feeling I can't quite work out what the punchline is. uh No.
4: Well, (laughs) let me give you a little bit of reassurance, because Mr Taylor and I sit on the London Stanford Cambridge Consortium, and... um, they are quite a beefed-up group uh, who want to make this happen and are talking to the right people. And the fact that they've got some serious interest from John Hayes, the Minister of Transport, um, I think is, is a, this is a bit like the um, Saffron Wall toward Towardley End cycle path. It's a saga that's been going on for about 50 years. But uh, in both cases, I think we're making more progress now than we've ever made uh, before. And um, clearly, this... Um, Uh, I I don't suppose a resolution from uh, Uttlesford District Council is going to make total difference, but it is a contribution and uh, we play a very active part in the LSCC and we'll continue to do so, and as Councillor Cheatham has said, this is a vital interest to our residents and for the viability of our community, that we've got good transport links, these and, you know, we can on another day we can talk buses and all kinds of things, but today it's, tra- it's trains, so I take your point uh, I think it's, it's, it's in that category of, um, of things that have been going on a
1: long time, but nevertheless uh, we need to keep pushing so can I, can I just come back briefly? I mean, you know, just to take the, the fact that, oh, Crumbs, they might put an extra track in between Copper Mill Junction, which is a junction just south of Tottenham Hale, to Angel Road. So I got my timetable out just to work out how far that is. And, of course, if you start at Broxbourne, it goes Broxbourne, Chesson, Waltham Cross, Enfield, Lock, Brimsdown, Ponder's End. And then you get to Angel Road. Road, Northumberland Park, and Tottenham Hills. So, in other words, it's essentially three blinking stations with yeah. extra track right at the bottom of the Lee Valley. Well, that going what good is that going to do?
4: A complete railway timetable examination. I think we, we get the general <laughs> drift of what we're trying to do here. Uh, <laughs> Councillor Lachlan, did you want to comment?
11: No, I was just going to comment uh, on the risk analysis because it says lack of an adequate rail service up to 2043 could encourage more car journeys. But I think one of the reasons is uh, encouraging more car journeys because it's actually becoming unaffordable to use the train to mm-hmm. commute to London uh, you know every time you look around the fares are going up certainly every January yeah. and that doesn't discourage people from using their cars I wouldn't use the train it's too expensive mm. so, just a point
4: okay good are there any other so comments have, have yeah. you thought, thought of some extra words
16: uh, Mr. Uh, I have chairman yes thank you um, I will pick up the points that Councillor Cheetham made um Obviously, uh, the um, SANSID in 30 campaign is really beyond the scope of of this draft study. Um, That only really kicks in if you get genuine 4 tracking situation. The most you can probably get at the moment is two or three minutes shaved off the SANSID express times, but because the current timetable is so constrained, if you do that, someone else will suffer. And so... It might be, yes, we, we, we can squeeze the timetable and we can get two or three minutes off the Sansard Express train, but it might be that holds up another Cambridge train. So th- there isn't the capacity there, so I can deal with that one. I can certainly strengthen the, the response to, to point two that, that Councillor Dean um, raises. Um, it seems to be universally the concern that the study doesn't really take us any further forward. And frankly, without four tracking, um, which is the key that unlocks most things. It's all just going to be, we can do a bit of this, we, we can do a bit of that. And Councillor Lochlin is absolutely right that rail travel is very expensive. Uh, certainly from the airport, the rail industry is beginning to realise that because you can get to Stratford and Liverpool Street for 6 or 7 quid now, single fare, and they are slowly starting to respond to that. And of course, one of the... Um, One of the big issues at the airport is that the rail timetable isn't constructed to meet the needs of passengers, air passengers. So there's the issue of getting trains in early in the morning to pick up the first wave of, of, of departures. So there's all sorts of things we can put in, and thank you for those comments. Okay, on that basis, final point, Councillor Cheesham.
5: Maybe I didn't make myself clear. My point was I do not want to see the commuters of Uttlesford suffer at the expense of the airport because I think our duty is to the residents of
14: yeah. Uttlesford. The I commuters- think Mr. Pine got under- that point.
4: Yeah, no. It, it, it certainly we'll emphasize that. So, on the basis that there will be some uh, modifications to the five, six points that you've been asked to, on, in paragraph 24 that you've been asked to put forward, um, and subject to your being content that Mr. Pine will write those in accordance with your wishes, uh, do I see a show of hands in favor of this um, recommendation? Thank you very much indeed. Uh, item 12 is if there's anything that I consider to sorry item thirteen of anything that I consider to be uh, a virgin business and not tonight um, except just to ask perhaps uh, well i just try a brief summary first of all uh, I, I, I hope this meeting has been um, of value A to the committee and B to the residents and C to those who are listening from outside there have been a number of reports that we've taken uh, for consideration um, and um, that I hope will add as I said earlier to the education uh, of the whole process a couple of decisions but what we have noted is that the key next aspect is to determine the numbers Councillor Dean has raised the question of do we have some blue sky thinking alongside that and we'll we'll consider that we've had some very powerful representatives from Rabwinter End and Four Acres, uh, Arcton Stroke Wickham Bonant um, about uh, the gypsy sites and we've we've listened to those most carefully and um, I think it's terribly important that this working group who will be asked to make a decision is absolutely in a position to be able to take that decision in an objective professional way so we need to consider how we do that Uh, and we will have a report at the next meeting, an updated report but it won't be a decision making uh, paper but Mr Taylor what else do you consider will be coming to the next meeting
8: there's there's quite a lot but I haven't got it in my oh yes the report looking at the evidence base and an update of the expectations that we're going to be doing in relation to that Um, we know we've got um, a report on the Essex County Council developer contributions guide um, which is currently out to consultation um, I mentioned Braintree District Council is out to consultations there'll be a report on that I'm now there um, the Farnham Parish Plan has been put to us for consideration so there'll be a report on that, we've mentioned Gypsy and Traveller Report Representations we'll do an update on the neighbourhood plan process um, a further update on Duty to cooperate report um, and yeah the work programme studies required um, looking at timescales, that's And we just added something else, didn't we? Oh, potentially an update on the Statement of Community um, Involvement, or if not an update, bringing it back so you can look at it. Um, So those are the sort of things that we're thinking about at the moment. So
4: quite a... Quite a a good agenda. Um, But please, if there are other items that you wish to bring to the next meeting, um, then let let us know that. I think uh, now is about as late as we'll probably want to go, 9.30 maybe uh, in future. Uh, So we don't want to have uh, too long an agenda. Um, But uh, let us know because this is your meeting and we want uh, to go forward at the speed that is correct for the community as a whole so that everybody feels involved in an objective, transparent um, process. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Meeting closed.